Welcome to Life Church Birmingham. We are glad you have listened today. We know God has a plan and purpose for your life and want to help you be successful in Jesus Christ. We know you will receive a message of hope and encouragement. Well, I missed my cue. <laughs> well, hope you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, I'm going to get a little help reading that this morning. Um, I'm just going to randomly call a name, and if that's you, just come on down. Just kidding, just kidding. Tabitha Jameson, would you come help me read this this morning? She's volunteered to help read out of Luke chapter 1. Come on up here, girl. I'm so, give her a big hand. Come on. All right. High five. Tell us your name, rank, and serial number. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Come on. Luke chapter 1. This is a story of Christmas. And it is, it is, it picks up in Luke's gospel in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And she's going to read it for us as it's on the screen. Come on, you're good. Give her a hand. Come on. <laughs> the birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never, and his kingdom will never, his kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Great job, girl. Great job. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. What a story. The Christmas story. On a day, a real day. In a town, a real town. The town is still there. Bethlehem. To real parents. With real names. Mary who's pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. He, she was living, they were living in Nazareth. Joseph is a descendant of King David. He's a long lost relative, not lost, a, a descendant, a, a distant relative of David. A real boy, a real baby boy with a real name, really born. A stork didn't drop him off. An angel didn't drop him off. He was born on a day to Mary. And they were to give him a name. Jesus. 
Matthew 1 tells us she will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. The name Jesus is the Greek form of Joshua, which means the Lord saves. Can you see that? Because he will save his people from their sins. That's what Matthew tells us. So here's the big idea today. Here's the big picture. The long-awaited arrival of Jesus changes the course of human history forever. He's the fulfillment of the promise, the prophecy, and prayer to a weary, hurting world that's desperate. They were desperate in need of a Savior. So here's our goal today. Our goal today is that every boy, every girl, every teenager, every young adult, every man, every woman would welcome Christ this Christmas just like he welcomes us. That's the goal. And that we would, that he would meet us, he would meet us no matter where we are, what shape we're in, he will meet us with mercy and grace and, come on, love. And today, as his people, we would be stunned. We, we would be in amazement, overwhelmed by Christmas morning, the first Christmas morning, is redemptive love. Today, I don't know if you know this, but you join over 2 million believers, excuse me, 2 billion believers all over the world that celebrate Christmas. Hopeful expectation. There's a longing, right? There's a longing. The weighted Messiah has come. This is the season that we celebrate that which is eagerly awaited. Here he is. Jesus Christ. The culmination of Advent, right? We remember and we rejoice. Jesus the Messiah has come. And chances are today you fit maybe one or two categories. Maybe you're landing the year. It's been a wonderful year. I mean, it's, it's been a wonderful year of exciting new endeavors, great accomplishments of overcoming. Or you've had disappointments, pain and suffering, maybe a mix of both. But what I'm telling you is that Jesus is here for you. And today we, we need to hear it again. Again. <laughs> we need to hear it again. The Christmas story Again, we need to hear how God kept his promise. He's a promise keeper. He kept his promise of how all the prophecies about his coming are true. All of them. And we need to know that God is a God that answers prayer. He fulfills every promise. And we need to remember again, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him, what? Come on. Shall not perish. We need the Christmas story again and again and again. Over and over and over. I want you to write a few things down. The overarching point this morning is this. God keeps his promises always. God always keeps his promises. He's a promise keeper. He always keeps his promises. He never says anything that he does not fulfill. Never. So... Here's how we'll work this morning. This will help me. When you hear me say something that you agree with, say, amen, preacher, preach it. 
And if you hear, if you hear something that you don't like, just say, amen, preacher, preaching. We'll practice. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves your neighbor. <laughs> I think even as broken as a culture that we live in, we, we still have a value of promises kept. No, no one likes to be lied to. No, no one likes to have something promised to them, but it, but it not come through. No, no one likes that, and we're, we're, you know, we're just kind of so worn out with politics and the crazy promises. And you, you know, you know when this is happening, half of it, it they just, you, you know, you know it's never going to happen. But you grin and bear it and swallow it, you just, come on, we'll make it through. And if your man or woman wins, you hope maybe half of it. Maybe it's true. At Christmas, we remember the greatest promises of God that he sent his son, Jesus. Born to a virgin, named Mary, from a real town, in a real place. Deuteronomy 7. Here's where the promises begin. Verse 6, it says this. For you are a people holy to the Lord, your God. This is the promise that God gave to his people from the beginning. You're a people holy to the Lord, your God. The Lord, your God, has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. For the Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because... You were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a, read it, mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So here we are at the beginning. Jesus appears on the scene. Excuse me. The word of the Lord appears on the scene. There's coming a deliverer who will deliver you out. His name is Moses. He will lead you out. Moses was a type, a foreshadow, a picture of the one that would come. It's a, it's a foreshadowing of one that would come that would deliver once and for all. So with a mighty hand, God delivers a people from bondage, bondage, Pharaoh, Egypt, a picture of sin, a picture of everything that holds you back, a picture of uh, uh, the bondage that sin brings, a picture of every, every self-defeating thought, every sinful activity, every, everything that is broken because of a sinful, wor sinful world. And Moses comes and says, God sent me with a message, let my people go. Pharaoh says yes, then he changes his mind, he says no, God sends the death angel, he warns Moses, Moses warns Pharaoh, Pharaoh turns a deaf ear, and death came, except to those who were on the other side of the door that had been sprinkled with blood. 
picture of the sacrifice of Jesus, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He would be the deliverer. Moses led the people out, out of Egypt, into their destiny. That's the picture. And if you're an underliner, everybody say underliner. If you're an underliner, I want you to underline two things in that scripture. First of all, underline the place where he says, God loves you. He loves you. He loves them. God, the, the Lord your God has chosen you uh, on his earth, his treasured possession. You are your treasured possession. He, he loves them. Treasured possession. The next is an oath. An oath. He delivered them because he loved them, and they are a treasured possession. Friend, <laughs> that is the message of Christmas. That God came, God from God, to come be, to, to, to deliver us because he loves us. We're his treasured possession. I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of yourself. Can I tell you what comes to God's mind when he thinks of you? Beautifully and wonderfully made. Treasured possession. Valued. Valuable enough. To sacrifice his own son. And Jesus said, I agree with the Father. I will lay my life down because you're worth it to him. You're worth it to him. Because of this promise that he brought the Israelites out of Egypt, redeemed them from the land of slavery. Verse 9 goes on to say this in Deuteronomy 7. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He's a faithful God. Come on. Keeping his promise, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations, to those who love him and keep his commands. Um, a thousand generations. I, if you do the math, it's a long time, but what it means is forever. It, it means forever. Uh, uh, we, we see his covenant love to a thousand generations. He, he loves you to the very end, forever. That's a long time to keep a promise to the very end, to the very end. First John 3, 8. The Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. The reason Jesus came was to destroy the works of the devil by his love laying his life down as the only acceptable sacrifice for you so that we can be with him forever. That's the message. In 2 Corinthians, Paul tells us in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 20, here's what it says. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. What that means is all that God has promised, all that he's promised has been fulfilled in Christ Jesus. They're, they're come through him, by him, because of him. If you want the promises of God for your life, <laughs> surrender to Jesus. They're yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen, if I say amen, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. In other words, the so be it, the yes, is spoken by us to the glory of God. Yes. Jesus, you are the Christ. Yes, I receive all the promises you have for me. 
God never breaks his promise, always fulfills his promise. Three promises I want to highlight that God fulfilled in Christ Jesus. Number one is this. Jesus Christ would be born of a virgin and he would be called Emmanuel. Isaiah 7, verse 14, prophesies, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Okay, pause there. There's a sign that the Messiah has come. There will be a sign, um, not a road sign. It, it'll be, it'll be an indi- a key indicator the, a supernatural, um, miraculous sign that the Messiah has come. That this is what this is how you'll know. Here's a sign that will confirm this is the Christ. A virgin will conceive <laughs> and give birth to a son, and he will be he will be called Emmanuel. So what's the sign? The sign is a virgin birth. Virgins don't have babies. <laughs> the sign of the arrival of Jesus Christ is supernatural. It's not natural. It can't happen on its own. It has to have the super involved with the natural, and the only one that can do that is God. So that's what that means. Thank you. Amen, sister. That's what that means. Be a sign. He won't arrive in the normal way. He won't have a a natural origination. He he will be born, he will be conceived supernaturally. If he was conceived naturally, The Bible says he would be born into sin. But the Messiah that will come will be the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. How does sin take away sin? It can't. So the sinless one became sin for us by taking the sins of the world on him. The only one qualified to do that is a sinless man that is also... A God-man. Because no man on earth was qualified. So God had to send himself (laughs) to come to be with us. The sacrifice of the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He will come supernaturally. He will be God from God. The only acceptable sacrifice. So when you see Jesus, you, you, you need to think he was born to die. He came to lay his life down. And we think hallelujah to Jesus for a savior. <laughs> we we think come on hallelujah to Jesus for a savior. <laughs> so it would behoove us to cultivate a relationship with the one the only one who has that capacity. And he is a 
wonderful, wonderful Savior. Matthew said this about his coming. So Old Testament Isaiah, that's what will happen. New Testament Matthew says this, verse 20. But after he had considered this, this is um, jo- after Joseph had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, she will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from his sins. Remember what Jesus means. It's, it's, the, it's the Greek form of uh, uh, Joshua, which means the Lord saves. That will be his name because that's what he will do. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So the name Emmanuel means God with us, which is precisely what Jesus came to do, supernaturally came so that he could be with us, to live with us, to die with us, to rise again with us, and he's building his church to this very day with us. He came to destroy the barrier, to knock down the wall, to build a bridge. God with us, Emmanuel. Not by herself, but with us. You ever been going through something? And you just needed to know somebody was there. You just needed to know. Am I being heard? Is can someone what is the human condition? Just affirmation. That I, I, I just need to be seen in this. I need I need someone alongside of me. first time um, I had the opportunity to do a nighttime combat equipment jump in my army days. We flew into Fort Bragg, freezing cold. Some guy who had special forces and ranger on his shoulder says to me, Mills, what are you doing? I said, I'm packing my rucksack. It's going to be cold. He's like, bro, we are special forces. Pack light, freeze at night. I said, well, okay, that sounds like, what do I know? I just got here. So I packed light, and I froze at night. I'm from Florida. I'm living in South Florida going to school. I came up. I'm freezing cold. I got about 6% body fat, believe it or not. I was skinny, and you sleep on the ground when it's 37 degrees outside. You will freeze almost to death. I put on every piece of clothing I had like 19 pair of socks or whatever I had. I couldn't even get in the fetal position. I was just bundled up, and I'm I'm just trying to sleep, and I'm like, I will never listen to that guy again. I'm going to find out some way to pack a sleeping bag or something, man. So we're coming out of the field. It warms up. It starts raining. There's nothing like being cold all weekend and then have it start raining when it's like 42. How many, right? And they're like, all right, out of the woods. We're 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 going home. Now, we're, we, so we jumped in the back of these Hummers, no cover, just like, what do you see, like four on each side, eight, eight or ten, and we, we, we put our gear up there and come out of the field, and it's just raining. We're already freezing, it's like 40-something, it's raining. We're like, oh, insult to injury. But at least we're headed to the Air Force base to get on a plane, because the Air Force dudes eat good. 
So at least we got some good breakfast. We've been eating out of rubber bags all weekend. We're going to have a hot breakfast, man. The Air Force, man, no one told me how good these guys ate. So we're headed there. It's raining. We're freezing cold. All of a sudden, the Hummer pulls over. It stops. Out of the cab jumps two officers. They jump in the back with us, slap the top of the cab, and it takes off. And we're looking at them. They just left the comfort of their heated, there's nothing like a heated Hummer. It, it just, it's like hot diesel fumes just coming right at you, you know. But at least you're not freezing to death. They came out of that secure and jumped in the back with us just to get soaking wet with us. And I learned a lesson that day. I learned a valuable lesson that day. Can I tell you? Them after that. They didn't have to. As a matter of fact, we were like, oh, I guess it pays to be an officer up there in the front. Nobody's getting wet in the cab. Not these guys. They jump out to be with us. What a statement of sacrificial leadership. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He's not afar off saying, well, y'all just figured out yourself, you know, uh, just battled out, and one day you can get high up here with me and be with me. No, he came with us. He came with us. He walked on dusty streets. He had to sleep on floors and rocks, and he, had, he, he came to be with us to experience every temptation you will experience, to experience the pain of death. He came to be with us. So, friend, if you're going through something, the Bible says that he can identify with the feelings of your infirmities. He knows that feeling because he's been with us. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He didn't leave you out by yourself. He's with you this Christmas. He would be born of a virgin. He would be called Emmanuel. Promise number two. Christ would be born in Bethlehem. He would be born in Bethlehem. Micah chapter 5 speaks of this. Verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrath, though you are small among the clans of Judah... Out of you will come for me one who will be a ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Luke chapter 2 verse 4 says, So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. So, Here's the story. Can you imagine Luke writing this? He, he's writing, I picture him with a big grin on his face. God chose a virgin and her betrothed who were living in Nazareth. The family line was from Bethlehem where the Messiah is supposed to be born. But they're not there. They're not in Bethlehem. To get the virgin to her proper birthplace, God puts it in the mind of a guy named Caesar Augustus, by the way, the most powerful person on the planet at the time, living over a thousand miles away, he puts it in his mind to call for an emperor-wide registration <laughs> on the day... During the season 
in which Mary is closing in on the end of her gestation period with Jesus. <laughs> there are no coincidences with God. There are no, oh, that just worked out <laughs> with God. This involves millions of people traveling at exactly the moment when he would get this obscure, pregnant Jewish girl from Nazareth to Bethlehem. So she would give birth there. <laughs> but there's no place for them. They can't find a place. So they go to a little cave barn where animals, at least you'll be out of the whatever is out there. And he will be born in the most humbling way. The events in history are about God and his people. Or about God and his people. Watch the news differently. Maybe don't watch it at all for a while. The events of world history are about God and his people. He is over all. Everything is subject to him. Joe Kiley, where you at, brother? <laughs> Joe works at Lowe's. And I was shopping... I made the mistake and thinking, I'd swing out Friday and grab a gift. Did anybody else make the same mistake? I, I got back to the house at 4 a.m. this morning. I, I'm just kidding. I felt like it. Well, Joe works at Lowe's, and I knew Joe could help me. But he didn't answer a cell phone at work. The audacity of him. Not answering a personal phone call while I walk into Lowe's. But he sees me. He says, hey, Pastor Tim, how can I help you? He says, ah, here's what I need. He says, oh, yes, might be true, but I want you to meet somebody. I want you to meet this lady named TC. TC, she knows all about what you need. She's going to come and help me. Uh, she's going to help me. i got to go. I'm clocking out. i got to run. But she's going to take. She's, and I said, nice to meet you, TC. Uh, 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 she said, oh, yeah. I was, Joe has been telling me about the Holy Spirit while he's at work. Joe's been witnessing to me about the Holy Spirit. And um, earlier in the week, we, we, he, he's been telling me about the Holy Spirit. I'm a believer. And I just, just, he's been telling me the, I need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit at work. He's been telling me about that. And so right over there on aisle 17 next to the glass cutting station, he laid his hands on me at work, and I'll quote her words. He had me speaking in tongues. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit at Lowe's at work. She says to me, I was so full of joy and so full of transformation life, I roll up to work the next day. My workmates kept asking me if I was drunk. True story. They said, you have spiked your coffee. Give me that coffee. She said, they were smelling my coffee. Something's wrong with you. You've been drinking or whatever. Joe said, oh, can I tell you something? They said the same thing about the disciples in Acts. They are not drunk as you suppose. They're just filled with the Holy Spirit. It's only nine in the morning. Same story with her. She said, it's just radically changed my life. Can I tell you? That God has no barriers, he has no boundaries, he goes wherever he wants to go, it is all his and his alone. 
And if he wants to save somebody at work or heal somebody at work or baptize somebody, the Holy Spirit at work, it's like his. Now, don't be that lazy Christian that blames Bible study on you not doing no work. And you're always walking around just reading the word, sharing the word with everybody. Your boss is like, hey, you ever got to get anything done? Well, I'm just here to minister. He's like, well, I saw your paycheck. You better get some work done. But I could tell that TC, she was on it, man. She was, it, it increased her effectiveness. Everything that God touches increases in effectiveness. Everything. Where were we? I got a picture of her. I'm like, I want you to stand right where this happened. And me and Jamie got there. We're like, we got to get, I got to document this, man. Come on, worship team. When you look back on the genealogy of Jesus, you ever wonder why this person begat this person? Why, you, I mean, why that's in there? It's in there for a reason. Joseph was a descendant of David. Why is that significant? Because David was from Bethlehem. And so in order to sign up for the census, they had to report back to the line of their genealogy, their hometown. And so God arranges this whole deal at the same time that Jesus would come in the town of Bethlehem so that Christ would be born, the prophecy fulfilled, and God's up there saying, I told, I told you, when I say it, it will be done. I told you it will be done. Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, Jesus' relative, probably a cousin, not 100% sure, but a close relative, good chance they were cousins. He hears about this in Luke 1, 68 and 70. He says this. I'll throw it up there. Uh, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. Because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. He knew exactly what God, he recognized it. And he was probably singing this as a prophetic song. He said this through the holy prophets of long ago. He told you he would fulfill his promise. And that's what he's doing. He is here, and he's available. He's available. I want you to know this. Today we remember that God has a plan of unfailing covenant love for his people. He doesn't do anything random. It was an intentional plan. Third promise, and we land. He's our wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Throw the third promise up there. From Isaiah 9. 
verse 6 and 7. It will come one that will have an everlasting government, an everlasting rule. It, it will be of justice, of righteousness, and of peace. That sounds like a pretty good deal about right now, doesn't it? Isaiah 9, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting father. Prince of peace. Of the greatness of his government. And peace. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. So Jesus came into some his rule and reign was an initial disappointment because they were looking for someone to be an earthly king who would overthrow earthly kingdoms and establish uh, earthly kingdoms. But Jesus came as a, to establish an everlasting kingdom the kingdom of God that would last forever. That kingdom would supersede all kingdoms and they would be swallowed up in, with that kingdom and it would last forever. He would establish it. He would establish it as its leader by coming and dying so that he could bring life to all those who wanted to be in the kingdom and so no longer do they have to die but they can live forever because he died a kingdom of peace a king of ultimate a kingdom of ultimate peace the works of the enemy are destroyed and that thing is locked up forever and he rules and reigns forever you ever pray for something for a really long time you just thought God if you can do this and just it's, it's just over and over and maybe some of you are here and it's like decades decades This is the case for my aunt, Ruth, the oldest of nine, all the followed were boys. Um, her husband, no longer in the picture, she's living in South Florida, um, retired, 
meager means I'd go visit her. And Jamie went a few times. Remember visiting Aunt Ruth? Across the hallway from this little place she'd stay was her Methodist buddy. Ruth was an old school Methodist. She would tell me stories about tents and church services outside and Methodist revival services with signs and wonders and miracles. She'd tell me stories. This little Pentecostal boy did not know. I didn't know. I know. I don't know that. I want to hear about that. <laughs> she had one of the most horrifying stories you can imagine. We won't go into it now. But her husband's incarcerated for, for, for uh, um, executing his own in-laws. And it's just horrific. So she's left with three kids. He's institutionalized. Her mom and dad are gone. And now she's raising three plus a bunch of little brothers. She would say to me over and over and over again, I pray, I pray for my family. They would find Christ. I pray. She would spend hours, hours in the presence of God, hours in the presence of God, hours interceding and praying. And many, many, many of them, she did not see the fruit of it until after she passed. She did not know. She did not know about Ben's conversion, about George's conversion. She did not know. She did, she did, not, know about, she did not know about their salvation experience. She did not know. She, but I, did, I got to see it, right? I got, I got to see the, the fulfillment of the prayers that she prayed after she was gone. God's kingdom lasts forever. It lasts forever and ever and ever. It has no end. It has no end in its breadth and its depth. It's not restricted by time or apparently by um, a hardware store either <laughs> in Trustville, Alabama. <laughs> he has no restrictions. He has no, uh, nothing encumbers him. He, he doesn't get bogged down. <laughs> he came to fulfill the promise that he would be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Forever. close by reading Mary's song out of Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 verse 46. That's what Mary responds to all this. We have that on the screen, fellas? Throw it up there. Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. She is understanding the significance of this. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has 
scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped the servant, his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Can we read that out loud the last time together? One, two, three. Just as he promised our ancestors. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? God, here we are. Your arrival, we remember that you are the God who keeps his promises to a thousand generations. You, you hear our prayers. And we see this reality overwhelms Mary 2,000 years ago. God, today, let the reality of the everlasting love of Jesus overwhelm us today. You're here and you say, hey, Tim, today, this Christmas season, I need the everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, to just rush into my situation. I just, I just need the, I just need to be reminded of the promises of God, and I need his everlasting peace to rule in my life. Maybe you're here and you're far from God. You need his, you need to make peace with him. Or Maybe you're here and you've just had, it's just been hell. It's been hard. It's, it's like you're running through the fire, man. It's been hard. You just need the advocate, advocate to come alongside of you. Get in the back of the truck and sit with you in the rain. Know he's there. If you need to, first of all, draw close to Jesus, you're far away, you need him. Need to come home to him. On the count of you, just wave your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. That's what I need this morning. I'm far from God and I need to make peace with him. That's what I need. I came in the room. I didn't have peace with God. I'm not serving him. I'm far away. I don't know how this happened. That wasn't my intention. But if I evaluate my life, that's where I find myself. And that's, honestly, that's me today. That's what I need. I'm far from God and I need to draw close come to him. I need to surrender my life. On this eve before Christmas, is there anyone in the room that would say, Pastor, pray for me. That's what I need. Count you just wave at me. All over the room. I'm talking to you. That's for you, man. That's for you, friend. That's for you, sir. That's for you, ma'am. He's come to be Emmanuel, God with us. That's what you need. Today I need to surrender my life to Jesus. Pray for me, Tim. One, two, three. All over the place. Anyone? Anyone, just wave at me. I just surrender my life to Christ. Anyone that would say, this Christmas, that's what I need. That's what I need. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, Jesus, Lord, he's been raised from the dead, you'll be saved. In other words, He's paid the price to bridge the gap. And if we receive him by faith, 
by surrendering our life to Him, relinquishing control to Him, the Bible says a great miracle happens. And He bridges that gap, and Christ closes the gap, and we become a member of His family. That's you. That's what you want. Just pray with me right now. Say, Dear Lord, out loud, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And today's my day. Today's the day I've surrendered my life to you. I've found myself far away from you, but I want to be close. I surrender my life. Forgive me, Lord. Give me the assurance that you are near. I confess that you are Lord and Savior, that you, in fact, did rise from the dead. And I receive all of your promises today. Christ's name, amen. If you're here today and you say, hey, Tim, I, I just need some everlasting peace. I've been running through the fire. I need, some, I need the peace of God. If that's you, just wave at me all over the room. I need the peace of God. I need the peace of God. Come on, I need the peace of God. I need the peace of God. Can we, can we just stand to our feet all over the room? We stand to our feet all over the room. All over the room. And just, and just, as a, just a moment of worship. Just a moment of worship right now. Would you, would you close yourself off from those around you? And just begin to receive the peace of God. Lord, we've come in the name of Jesus. And God, we've, we re, we, we've, we've heard the word. We've heard the word. And we hear what it says. We ask the Prince of Peace that you would come. You would come and you would bring your peace. You would bring your peace. I pray for my friends today who need the peace of God. Come, Prince of Peace. Come to them come rushing to them come rushing to them right now we magnify you we magnify you master prince of peace come we want to thank you for listening to the message today we would love for you to stop by and see us our services start at 10 a.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesday nights with various small groups throughout the week. Here at Life Church, we hope you have a great week.